0: Preface and Chapter One of Fame and Fortune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fame and Fortune, or the Progress of Richard Hunter, by Horatio Alger Jr. Preface. Fame and Fortune, like its predecessor Ragged Dick, was contributed as a serial story to the Schoolmate a popular juvenile magazine published in Boston. The generous commendations of the first volume by the press, and by private correspondents whose position makes their approval of value, have confirmed the author and his purpose to write a series of stories intended to illustrate the life and experiences of the friendless and vagrant children to be found in all our cities, numbering in New York alone over twelve thousand. In the preparation of the different volumes, the requisite information will be gathered from personal observation mainly, SUPPLEMENTED, HOWEVER, BY FACTS COMMUNICATED BY THOSE WHO HAVE BEEN BROUGHT INTO PRACTICAL RELATIONS WITH THE CLASS OF CHILDREN WHOSE LIVES ARE PORTRAYED. THE VOLUMES MIGHT READILY BE MADE MORE MATTER-OF-FACT, BUT THE AUTHOR HAS SOUGHT TO DEPICT THE INNER LIFE AND REPRESENT THE FEELINGS AND EMOTIONS OF THESE LITTLE WAVES OF CITY LIFE, and HOPES THUS TO EXCITE A DEEPER AND MORE WIDESPREAD SYMPATHY IN THE PUBLIC MIND, AS WELL AS TO EXERT A salutary INFLUENCE UPON THE CLASS OF WHOM HE IS WRITING by setting before them inspiring examples of what energy, ambition, and an honest purpose may achieve, even in their case. In order to reach as large a number of these boys as possible, the publisher is authorized, on application, to send a gratuitous copy of the two volumes of the Ragged Dick series already issued to any regularly organized newsboys' lodge within the United States. New York, December, 1868 Chapter 1. A Boarding House in Bleecker Street "'Well, Fosdick, this is a little better than our old room in Mott Street,' said Richard Hunter, looking complacently about him. "'You're right, Dick,' said his friend. "'This carpet's rather nicer than the ragged one Mrs. Mooney supplied us with. The beds are neat and comfortable, and I feel better satisfied, even if we do have to pay twice as much for it.' The room which yielded so much satisfaction to the two boys was on the fourth floor of a boarding-house in Bleecker Street. No doubt many of my young readers, who are accustomed to elegant homes, would think it very plain. But neither Richard nor his friend had been used to anything as good. They had been thrown upon their own exertions at an early age, and had a hard battle to fight with poverty and ignorance. Those of my readers who are familiar with Richard Hunter's experiences when he was ragged dick will easily understand what a great rise in the world it was for him to have a really respectable home. For years he had led a vagabond life about the streets, as a boot-black, sleeping in old wagons or boxes, or wherever he could find a lodging gratis. It was only twelve months since a chance meeting with an intelligent boy caused him to form the resolution to grow up respectable. By diligent evening study with Henry Fosdick, whose advantages had been much greater than his own, assisted by a natural quickness and an unusual aptitude for learning, he had, in a year— "'learned to read and write well, "'and had, besides, made considerable progress in arithmetic. "'Still, he would have found it difficult to obtain a situation "'if he had not been the means of saving from drowning "'the young child of Mr. James Rockwell, "'a wealthy merchant in business on Pearl Street, "'who at once, out of gratitude for the service rendered, "'engaged our hero in his employ "'at the unusual compensation, for a beginner, "'of ten dollars a week.' His friend, Henry Fosdick, was in a hat-store on Broadway, but thus far only received six dollars a week. Feeling that it was time to change their quarters to a more respectable portion of the city, they one morning rang the bell of Mrs. Browning's boarding-house on Bleecker Street. They were shown into the parlor, and soon a tall lady, with flaxen ringlets and a thin face, came in. "'Well, young gentlemen, what can I do for you?' she said, regarding them attentively. "'My friend and I are looking for a boarding-place,' said Henry Fosdick. "'Have you any rooms vacant?' "'What sort of room would you like?' asked Mrs. Browning. "'We cannot afford to pay a high price. "'We should be satisfied with a small room.' "'You will room together, I suppose?' "'Yes, ma'am.' "'I have a room vacant on the third floor, quite a good-sized one, "'for which I should charge you seven dollars apiece. "'There is a room on the fourth floor,' Not so large, which you can have for five dollars each. I think we'll look at that, said Richard Hunter. Very well, then, follow me. Mrs. Browning preceded the boys to the fourth floor, where she opened the door of a neat room, provided with two single beds, a good sized mirror, a bureau, a warm woolen carpet, a washstand, and an empty bookcase for books. There was a closet also, the door of which she opened showing a row of pegs for clothing. "'How do you like it?' asked Fosdick, in a low voice, turning to his companion. "'It's bully,' said Dick, in admiring accents. "'I may as well say here, what the reader will find out as we proceed, that our hero, in spite of his advance in learning, had not got entirely rid of some street phrases, which he had caught from the companions with whom he had for years associated.' Five dollars is a rather steep price,' said Fosdick, in a low voice. "'You know I don't get but six in all.' "'I'll tell you what, Fosdick,' said Dick. "'It'll be ten dollars for the two of us. "'I'll pay six, and you shall pay four. "'That'll be fair, won't it?' "'No, Dick. I ought to pay my half. "'You can make it up by helping me when I run against a snag in my studies. "'You know as much as I do now, Dick.' "'No, I don't. "'I haven't any more idea of grammar than a broomstick. "'You know I called cat a conjunction the other day. "'Now, you shall help me in grammar, "'for I'm blessed if I know whether I'm a noun or an adjective, "'and I'll pay a dollar towards your board. "'But, Dick, I'm willing to help you for nothing. "'It isn't fair to charge you a dollar a week for my help.' "'Why isn't it? "'Ain't I to get ten dollars a week, "'and shan't I have four dollars over, "'while you will only have two? I think I ought to give you one more, and then we'd be even.' "'No, Dick, I wouldn't agree to that. "'If you insist upon it, we'll do as you propose. "'But if ever I am able, I'll make it up to you.' "'Well, young gentleman, what have you decided?' asked Mrs. Browning. "'We'll take the room,' said Dick promptly. "'When do you wish to commence?' "'Today. We'll come this evening.' "'Very well.' "'I suppose you can refurnish me with references. "'You're in business, I suppose.' "'I am in Henderson's Hat and Cap store, "'Number Blank Broadway,' said Henry Fosdick. "'And I am going into Rockwell and Cooper's "'on Pearl Street next Monday,' said Dick, "'with a sense of importance. "'He felt that this was very different from saying, "'I black boots in Chatham Square.' "'You look like good boys,' said Mrs. Browning, "'and I've no doubt you're honest.' "'but I'm a widow, dependent on my boarders, "'and I have to be particular. "'Only last week a young man went off, "'owing me four weeks board, "'and I don't suppose he'll ever show his face again. "'He's got a good salary, too, "'but he spent most of it on cigars and billiards. "'Now how can I be sure you will pay me your board regular?' "'We'll pay it every week in advance,' said Dick promptly. "'Them's our best references. "'And he produced his bank-book.' "'showing a deposit of over one hundred dollars to his credit in the savings bank, "'motioning at the same time to Fosdick to show his. "'You don't mean to say you've saved all that from your earnings,' said Mrs. Browning, surprised. "'Yes,' said Dick. "'And I might have saved more if I'd begun sooner.' "'How long has it taken you to save up?' "'About nine months. "'My friend hasn't saved so much, because his salary has been smaller.' "'I won't require you to pay in advance,' said Mrs. Browning graciously. "'I am sure I can trust you. "'Boys who have formed so good a habit of saving can be depended upon. "'I will get the room ready for you, and you may bring your trunks when you please. "'My hours are breakfast at seven, lunch at half-past twelve, dinner at six. "'We shan't be able to come to lunch,' said Fosdick. "'Our stores are too far off.' THEN I WILL MAKE HALF A DOLLAR DIFFERENCE WITH EACH OF YOU, MAKING NINE DOLLARS A WEEK, INSTEAD OF TEN. THE BOYS WENT DOWNSTAIRS, WELL PLEASED WITH THE ARRANGEMENT THEY HAD MADE. DICK INSISTED UPON PAYING FIVE DOLLARS AND A HALF OF THE JOINT WEEKLY EXPENSE, LEAVING THREE AND A HALF TO FOSDICK. THIS WOULD LEAVE THE latter TWO DOLLARS AND A HALF OUT OF HIS SALARY, WHILE DICK WOULD HAVE LEFT FOUR AND A HALF. WITH ECONOMY, BOTH THOUGHT THEY COULD CONTINUE TO LAY SOMETHING UP there was one little embarrassment which suggested itself to the boys. Neither of them had a trunk, having been able to stow away all their wardrobe without difficulty in the drawers of the bureau, with which their room in Mott Street was provided. "'Why are you like an elephant, Fosdick?' asked Dick, jocosely, as they emerged into the street. "'I don't know, I'm sure.' "'Because you haven't got any trunk, except what you carry round with you.' We'll have to get trunks, or perhaps carpet-bags would do. No, said Dick decisively. It ain't spectable to be without a trunk, and we're going to be spectable now. Respectable, Dick. All right, respectable, then. Let's go and buy each a trunk. This advice seemed reasonable, and Fosdick made no objections. The boys succeeded in getting two decent trunks at three dollars apiece, and ordered them sent to their room in Mott Street. It must be remembered by my readers, who may regard the prices given as too low, that the events here recorded took place several years before the war, when one dollar was equal to two at the present day. At the close of the afternoon Fosdick got away from the store an hour earlier, and the boys, preceded by an expressman bearing their trunks, went to their new home. They had just time to wash and comb their hair when the bell rang for dinner, and they went down to the dining-room. Nearly all the boarders were assembled, and were sitting around a long table spread with a variety of dishes. Mrs. Browning was a good manager, and wise enough to set a table to which her boarders could not object. "'This way, if you please, young gentlemen," she said, pointing to two adjoining seats on the opposite sides of the table. Our hero, it must be confessed, felt a little awkward, not being used to the formality of a boarding-house, and feeling that the eyes of twenty boarders were upon him.' His confusion was increased when, after taking his seat, he saw sitting opposite him a young man whose boots he remembered to have blacked only a week before. Observing Dick's look, Mrs. Browning proceeded to introduce him to the other. "'Mr. Clifton,' she said, "'let me introduce Mr. Hunter and his friend, Mr. Fosdick, two new members of our family.' Dick bowed rather awkwardly, and the young man said, "'Glad to meet your acquaintance, Mr. Hunter.' "'Your face looks quite familiar. "'I think I must have seen you before.' "'I think I've seen you before,' said Dick. "'It's strange. "'I can't think where,' said the young man, "'who had not the least idea that the well-dressed boy before him "'was the boot-black who had brushed his boots "'near the park railings the Monday previous. "'Dick did not think proper to enlighten him. "'He was not ashamed of his past occupation. "'But it was past,' and he wanted to be valued for what he might become, not for what he had been. "'Are you in business, Mr. Hunter?' inquired Mr. Clifton. It sounded strange to our hero to be called Mr. Hunter, but he rather liked it. He felt that it sounded respectable. "'I am at Rockwell and Cooper's, on Pearl Street,' said Dick. "'I know the place. It is a large firm.' Dick was glad to hear it, but did not say that he knew nothing about it. The dinner was a good one, "'much better than the two boys were accustomed to get at the eating-houses, "'which in times past they had frequented. "'Dick noticed carefully how the others did, "'and acquitted himself quite creditably, "'so that no one probably suspected that he had not always been used to as good a table. "'When the boys rose from the table, Mrs. Browning said, "'Won't you walk into the parlor, young gentlemen? "'We generally have a little music after dinner. "'Some of the young ladies are musical. "'Do either of you play?' Dick said sometimes he played marbles, at which a young lady laughed, and Dick, catching the infection, laughed too. "Miss Peyton, mr Hunter," introduced mrs Browning. Miss Peyton made a sweeping curtsey, to which Dick responded by a bow, turning red with embarrassment. "Don't you sing, mr Hunter?" asked the young lady. "I ain't much on warblin'," said Dick, forgetting for the moment where he was. This droll answer which Miss Peyton supposed to be intentionally funny, convulsed the young lady with merriment. "'Perhaps your friend sings,' she said. Thereupon Fosdick was also introduced. To Dick's astonishment he answered that he did a little. It was accordingly proposed that they should enter the next room, where there was a piano. The young lady played some well-known melodies, and Fosdick accompanied her with his voice, which proved to be quite sweet and melodious. "'You are quite an acquisition to our circle,' said Miss Peyton graciously. "'Have you boarded in the neighborhood before?' "'No,' said Fosdick. "'At another part of the city.' He was afraid she would ask him in what street, but fortunately she forbore. In about half an hour the boys went up to their own room, where they lighted the gas, and opening their trunks, placed the contents in the bureau drawers. "'Blessed if it don't seem strange,' said Dick. "'for a feller brought up as I have been to live in this style. "'I wonder what Miss Peyton would have said "'if she had known what I had been. "'You haven't any cause to be ashamed of it, Dick. "'It wasn't a very desirable business, but it was honest. "'Now you can do something better. "'You must adapt yourself to your new circumstances.' "'So I mean to,' said Dick. "'I'm going in for respectability. "'When I get to be sixty years old, "'I'm going to wear gold spectacles and walk round this way like the old gentleman I see most every day on Wall Street. Dick threw his head back and began to walk round the room with a pompous step and an air of great importance. I hope we'll both rise, Dick. We've got well started now, and there's other boys worse off than we are who have worked hard and risen to fame and fortune. We can try, said Dick. Now let us go out and have a walk. All right, said Fosdick. They went downstairs and out into the street. Accustomed to the lower part of the city, there was novelty in the evening aspect of Broadway, with its shops and theaters glittering with light. They sauntered carelessly along, looking in at the shop windows, feeling more and more pleased with their change of location. All at once Dick's attention was drawn to a gentleman, accompanied by a boy of about his own size, who was walking a little in advance. "'Stop a minute,' he said to Fosdick, and, hurrying forward, placed his hand on the boy's arm." "'How are you, Frank?' he said. Frank Whitney, for it was he, turned in some surprise and looked at Dick, but did not at first recognize in the neat, well-dressed boy of fifteen the ragged boot-black he had encountered a year before. "'I don't think I remember you,' he said, surveying Dick with a puzzled expression. "'Perhaps you'd remember me better if I had on my Washington coat and Napoleon pants,' said our hero with a smile." He felt rather pleased to find he was not recognized, since it was a compliment to his improved appearance. "'What?' exclaimed Frank, his face lighting up with pleasure. "'Is it possible that you are—' "'Richard Hunter, at your service,' said our hero. "'But when you knew me, I was ragged dick.'" End of chapter 1